Alright, welcome to episode two, which is um, the Theranos. This is very confusing because that episode was so, the first episode was so long, I had to break it into two parts. We are technically still in the first, we'll call it, act of this documentary. I apologize, this is, the adjective terribly comes to mind (laughs) in terms of I am rereading my notes, also throwing interjections and my own commentary from the notes. (laughs) I apologize. So... If you're listening, thank you. Let us continue this deep dive into this documentary and this woman's career company and also calamity if you were going for alliteration. Alright, so here is more of the story. Alright, so the first episode ended with the unfortunate passing of Dr. Ian Gibbons. Making sure I'm saying that right. Ian Gibbons. Um, and with his passing and that sense of things coming out in terms of the case about the reappropriation, the patent reappropriation, this starts this new era of paranoia. And as she touts herself, Elizabeth touts herself as that that title, that disruptive, you know, rebel, bad girl, whatever, she equates that to being like, will be attacked. This company will be attacked. I will be attacked because I'm disrupting. People are out to get me, out to get our company. We're going to fuck things up so much. They're going to try to silence us, etc. So security at the facility increases as well as they install bulletproof glass in her office. She starts to be surrounded by bodyguards they pay for um bodyguard staff for both elizabeth and sunny elizabeth of course is referred to as eagle one sunny is uh eagle two sunny also starts to control and monitor key card access in terms of entries and exits he knows who is going in and out when and where and why Um, If he doesn't know the why, he'll figure it out. Like, he'll find it out. And they start, employees start to notice that their emails are being monitored. And by that, um, an example would be, I send an email to Dora. And the response is not from Dora, but it's from Sunny. Even though I never CC'd Dora on it, Dora never sent it to Sunny, nor did she CC Sunny on it. And he responds to my initial message. Therefore, staff knows that all of their emails are being monitored. And not for safety, not for, you know, from an IT perspective, an IS perspective. It's from Sunny. The receptionist notes that she's being keystroked, um, which 
this is something I've heard of in terms of like parents they can check the access that their children you know they have access to checking what their children are researching you know where they're going on the internet how they're using their cell phones etc and yes there's sensitive information but I don't know what sensitive information the receptionist could have that could be leaked in terms of she's not high clearance per se you know so it just makes everyone feel very uncomfortable, very watched, and I mean almost unsafe. So they, <clears throat> all employees, and I apologize, I am trying to edit out the like throat clearing and coughing, but I'm not very good at that. So again, this is terribly produced, question mark, anyway. So employees, you know, at a company like this are required to send it, sign an NDA, um, which is a non-disclosure agreement. And they probably, I would assume in this kind of a company, in this kind of environment, they would sign a non-compete clause. However, the NDAs are not just like, you won't go to the press or you won't go to, you know, another health care diagnostics labs and share our technology it's like you can't speak poorly of the company at all. You can't air in a grievance with your friend in terms of, oh, this day was really hard or I couldn't figure this out. Because anything that you say to any other person, even if it's not state secrets, can it causes that could cause bad to come to the company. So in other words, that's like saying if a car accident happens in another town, I caused it even though I'm sitting in a room in my house not driving. So employees were um, told to not even talk to their family about what was going on, you know, not about work. They're not spies. They're not CIA agents. They're not you know, with codes to nuclear weapons, whatever, telling my partner, my wife about, you know, generically what I'm up to, that sounds reasonable. But this, this sense of fear, the sense of you can't talk about it, of course, leads to employees becoming paranoid. They're paranoid of each other. Maybe someone is telling on another person. Maybe, you know, if I say, grumble grumble in the hallway maybe someone heard me goes reports and then I'm fired or sued or worse and they um this is very I would akin or I would liken this to um the movie The Circle with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks uh Patton Oswalt and literally just forgot his name he's in one of the Star Wars or something he's so freaking cute what the heck is his name anyway um I would liken it to that movie in that everyone was being watched monitored um you know cameras technology they knew where you were where you were going what room you were in reading your emails knowing you know who was doing what at your mother and father's home oh yeah Bill Paxton was in it oh um keep going the 
this paranoia leads to this term siloing, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. Um, I, I was familiar with it just because when I worked at a college and this is not a negative, but you know, we were in the music and theater department. And so we kind of were siloed, you know, you've got each kind of group, each department is separate from the other. And that's not a bad thing. We're not, not share, you know, it's not like we're keeping secrets from the English department. It just means that our paths, you know, might not always cross and what working on over in this building just might not be shared. However, this is not the result of this silo secrecy, keeping people separate. It is they, the employees are being told not to communicate between employees, like don't communicate with other employees, except for maybe your desk, office mate, et cetera, you know, that kind of thing. If you're all working on the same project, this same piece, but you weren't allowed to talk to anyone else in any other department, which again, this is a piece to a puzzle. You are working on a piece of a bigger project. You can't solve things. And one of the, I believe it's an engineer, says we could never solve anything because we don't know what else anybody else is working on. We have a piece of the puzzle. We can't put the puzzle together without seeing the picture. Where, how would you know where the puzzle piece goes? So at the same time, and I know I mentioned CVS earlier because that was who initially was very attracted to this idea. Walgreens is actually the first drugstore company patient interface to roll this out and of course they say we're going to roll it out gradually and they use the adjective simple human optimistic etc we're going to break down barriers of getting labs done however this is not approved and it is very problematic one of which is you have no fucking working edisons you may have some that work some of the time, but they are not efficient. They are not consistent. Your Edison's don't work. The Nanotainer, the Edison, Theranos, whatever is having issues. And we are now bringing it to the consumer in the most direct way possible. I walk into a CVS. They are a, a Walgreens. Um... I don't know. I know like CVS, I think is the minute clinic. I don't know what the Walgreens equivalent is, but you are now told as a person, a patient, not even a, I mean, like you're a consumer, you're a, you're a customer at this point. You can go in and get your labs to, uh, drawn and you know, your health information before anyone else does. Again, this is not improved. There are several problems. However, it is rolled out. Why? Because they need more money. There, again, are no Edisons in these facilities, but we're telling them we're using this technology for these lab results. And really what's happening is patients, consumers, customers, whatever you want to call them, are going in, getting poked, and that sample is being sent to labs in Palo Alto. It's not happening on site. As you say, it's happening. It's going from Arizona to California and someone else is reading the results, not the person who is drawing the blood. My my dog is snoring again. I don't know if you can hear Dora. Sorry. Um, but Theranos has a quote unquote clinical lab here, except for the most of the staff are inexperienced. So we went from the idea of walking into CVS, 
poking your finger, and within minutes getting the results to over 200 tests. To when we roll it out being you go in, it's not a finger poke, spoiler alert, it's not a finger poke, and then we're going to ship off the sample and then wait to hear back the results, but also the results might not be real because our staff is actually inexperienced in doing the, you know, t- uh, making these tests or assays or whatever they call it. So we're going to roll this out in Walgreens. Look, here we go. We need money. Who gives money? At least there's at least four notable names that the narrator lists. It's Walt, the Waltons or Walmart. Betsy DeVos, I hope that's how you pronounce it. De- I always say DeVos, DeVos, but you know what a winner she is. Um, the owner of the New England Patriots, which I can't remember his name. Is he a Kraft? K-R-A-F-T? I don't know. Um, and then Rupert Mur- Murdoch, um, he gives $125 million of his own dollars. So he himself is over a fourth of this $400 million. Well... She wants to, so, okay, so we're rolling this out, but how do we tell customers, patients, whatever about this? We have to make a commercial. So she likes to think, Elizabeth likes to think of herself as the apple of healthcare, like Theranos is the apple of healthcare. And by that, I mean, you know, most folks have some sort of an Apple product in their home. You know, most folks have an iPhone or, you know, whatever it's in your family or you might have a Mac or whatever it is. She wants a she wants a an Edison in everyone's home. Everyone can, you know, do their own testing within their own house. Which, you know, as a person who has diabetes, they would have glucose testing. They would be testing their blood sugar on themselves multiple times throughout the day and get a quick reading. That monitor is not reading over 200 results. Like it's only testing for your blood sugar. It is not testing or your, you know, your glucose, whatever. It's not testing for an STD, you know, uh, uh, fucking COVID, whatever. Like it's only testing for one specific thing. Does it seem realistic that every time you poke your finger, you can find out the results to over 200 tests? No, but her goal is that within, you know, a few years, whatever. I apologize. I kind of went off on a tangent there because I am just very frustrated. So the, I guess, like commercial director or something, I don't know if he's PR or whatever, Errol Morris, he's worked with Apple, of course, there's that connection. He is going to create this commercial for this rollout, and it is going to, they cast, sorry, it, it did happen. It was cast with real folks with actual health issues. So, um, you know, Susie Q is diabetic. She is, she is cast in this role because she actually has a health problem. They also say it's cast with Theranos users, which... I'm not exactly sure. I'm assuming they mean 
folks that have already tried this at the Walgreens or something. I guess I'm confused because they, they listed it separately, but I don't know who is using it before it's rolled out. So whatever that means to you. They create this commercial. They, you know, market it as this um, nanotainer and the Edison and Theranos. All of one are helpful life savings. It goes live in Arizona. They interview, the documentary interviews a a staff member, and I believe he's current. At least he was current, I believe, at the time of this um, documentary. He is a research and design person. And at first it seems like, oh, maybe he's, you know, seen the light about her, you know, now that we're having this interview. But then he kind of gets defensive. He says that by his measure of success, she is successful. And what he defines success as is that she didn't give up, which absolutely, 100%, don't give up, you know, if you don't succeed the first time, try and try again. It's it's a cliche for a reason, or, you know, it's a whatever for a reason. What's the word? Anyway. Not cliche. There's another word for it. Regardless. My point to this is she is not successful as a person who is creating this technology, this device is not successful in that it is not working consistently at all. And if it actually, you know, the machine actually runs, it doesn't mean that the results are true or repeatable, which is, you know, kind of a tenet of the scientific method, right? Again, not a scientist, but... That's like saying, I am a successful recording artist. I have never recorded an album. I have never sold an album or an LP or whatever, but I keep trying. And define trying, like singing along to the radio, listening to music. I am not a successful recording artist by fact it's not by definition of you know not by measuring the success of not not giving up keep trying whatever so I just I I didn't really understand how to take him because I just didn't agree with him I guess I'm not a lawyer because I never studied and I never sat for the bar but I can argue, and I have logical points. I'm not a lawyer, though. I'm not a successful lawyer. Like, we can't, we can't equate the two. You, she is not successful as this scientist engineer with this product. She is a successful entrepreneur. She's a successful confidence person, maybe you know, con woman, whatever. I don't, I don't. Allegedly, I'll say the word allegedly. Moving on, Elizabeth goes to Arizona and stands before the city council or whatever. Um, I'm not sure if it if it were in the city that this Walgreens is or if she's doing this in front of the whole, like, you know, state house or whatever. But the point is, she is lobbying to allow folks to ask for their own labs without a doctor's orders. 
she equates this to having the right to engage in their health. All right. So she's not being able to call for your own orders, being able to go in, demand a lab test or, you know, demand a finger poke, whatever, get the lab sent off. That's not being engaged in your health. That's like being married slash dictator slash control. I'm engaged with my health by noticing symptoms, changes in my body, and going to my doctor. And then with those symptoms, my doctor, she will determine whether or not I need labs done or if I just need to try this pill and see if this works or try heating this and see if that works. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. She is the doctor, not Elizabeth. My doctor, Kara. She's technically a nurse practitioner, but regardless, the doctor over her is a doctor. Kara is a medical professional, a healthcare provider. She will determine what labs need to be drawn, when and why. Elizabeth is purporting that, or proposing um, that all patients, and we're using the word patient, but technically these are consumers. They are not being seen by a doctor. They are not under a physician's care when they go and request these results. And by request, I mean she is proposing that they can order from a menu a la carte one or more of over a, over 200 tests. That's like saying I have the sniffles this morning. Obviously, you've heard me, you know, deal with that and I apologize. So I have the sniffles. I'm going to drive over to Walgreens, say poke my finger and send this out for several different tests. Say I have, you know, a slight flu or something like a, a slight infection, whatever virus, whatever. If I send it out and say, you know, I want that blood draw, I want that test, I want that test, I want that test, I don't know what the fuck I'm choosing from. I could say, check me for hepatitis, and that's not what I mean. Check me for, I don't know, I can only think of awful STDs because they were some of the ones they were listing, they were talking about syphilis a lot. You know, that's like, whatever. I have a headache, test me for an STD. No, no. So the interview, Dr. Stephanie Seitz or Seats. I knew a person that had the name Dietz and it was this spelling with the D. So um, Stephanie S-E-I-T-Z. And it says she is an ND. I don't exactly know what an ND is, but I know she is a doctor. And she says to this point that you cannot tell results from one scan. A doctor cannot discern what you have off of one scale. She has to see the patient, you know, in person or, you know, now with telehealth, whatever. But she has to examine them. And that's kind of an in-person thing. You can't touch someone and feel if their abdomen is rigid over the phone. And you also can't find out if a person's abdomen is rigid by actually never seeing them, only being a lab technician 
not a medical doctor who has never seen the patient, if, if I'm not going too far out. The biggest question Dr. Seats has is how do healthcare providers deal with this? I mean, fuck. For instance, if my doctor has 100 patients and all 95 of them wake up, it's harvest time around here, there's seasonal allergies going on where I am, if they all wake up with the sniffles, 95 of us go to Walgreens, say poke me, and send my labs off for over 200 results, or, you know, 200 uh, tests, assays, assays, whatever, and those results come into my doctor, and they have to, you know, wade through all of these results to superfluous tests from folks who literally just need to blow their nose and drink some water what about the patients who maybe you know the one or two who actually have a a sinus infection who actually have god forbid covid like jesus christ we don't need to order hundreds of tests on ourselves because most of the time it's unnecessary and that is the reason we are not doctors that is the reason doctors should be requesting these tests they also don't know if you know it says my blood sugar is really high today i didn't fast for that so it's taking the fact that i had waffles for breakfast into consideration or whatever this should not be coming from a person I should not operate on myself. I should not walk into a hospital, say I have appendicitis, tell the doctor to pull it out, and I don't even have a stomach ache. Like, or I only have a stomach ache, and it's because I ate pancakes and I just need to take a Tums or whatever. So going off of that, Theranos is not being transparent with doctors. They're not explaining um what exactly they're testing in terms of like step by step is this a fasting did they not fast you know did they did they take their medicine that day is that affecting their whatever and the doctors are trying like hoping to understand and how understand the results and also how they're determining these results so theranos is like eh it's a secret hear the results, deal with it. So again, for example, I have a big waffle breakfast with chocolate chips and whipped cream and strawberries. And without, you know, taking a sip of water, whatever, I go right into the clinic and say, test me for all these things. And it comes out that my glucose is, you know, off the charts or whatever it's so you know elevated whatever i don't really know how this works but my blood sugar this is my point that i don't know these things but it says that i'm diabetic those results are not realistic they're not maybe like you cannot replicate them unless you have the exact same meal and walk in at the exact same time the doctors can't determine how these tests were administered, what the patient was doing before, and now what the results mean. Because 
if I just do that, go to Walgreens, find out I'm diabetic from these results that are not credible, and then I just go and start shooting myself with insulin or whatever, like, there's a reason certain healthcare information is limited. And I'm not talking about censorship. I'm just saying you should go to the experts. I'm not going to just put my car up on jacks and fix my brakes. I'm going to go to a mechanic. So instead of answering any questions or giving any, you know, transparency, Theranos began supplying gift cards for lab services. And this explodes. What I mean is there are commercials where explaining that you can buy a gift card for someone to get Theranos lab testing. So instead of at the end of the year, the parent says to the teacher, thank you so much for taking care of my kids this year. They learned so much. You were so helpful. You helped Johnny with his blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying, here is like a Starbucks gift card, a food gift card, a blah, 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 because you're underpaid and underappreciated. And I'm going to give you this great gift card where you can actually fucking enjoy it and actually benefit from a gift from me. I am going to give you a Theranos gift card so you can get labs drawn. You're welcome. Worse yet, the commercial (laughs) is that it's this little girl crying, hugging her grandma, and her mom comes in and says, Mom, we love you. Here's a Theranos gift card. So in other words, you're old. You need to get something tested because you probably have something. And if I don't give you a gift card, which of course the opposite is, if I don't give you a Theranos gift card, if I just give you a gift card for cheddars or whatever. I'm just making shit up. That means I don't love you because I don't care about your health. If I ever gave my mom a healthcare gift card rather than like a massage or a restaurant or a store or a thoughtful gift, you know, whatever. I'm not saying gift cards aren't thoughtful because fuck me, they are. What I'm saying is if I gave her a healthcare gift card, I feel like she would be so insulted that I'm calling her old or whatever like I just mm, bananas so the problem well not the problem one of the biggest problems here with being in a Walgreens having gift cards that folks are buying and giving to each other and coming in on their own because they now realize they're in charge of their health care it sends shockwaves through my mind in terms of COVID and masking and I'm in control of my body except for women can't be in control of their body the hypocrisy but anyway now that everyone is in control they have autonomy over what blood tests are being taken the the big problem here is that the folks at Walgreens they've never dealt with bodily fluids and like hazardous materials the pharmacists can prescribe or you know disseminate the here are the sealed sterile syringes here are the vials here are your prescription pills your you know whatever your ointment your whatever you drink cough medicine what i'm trying to say But no one in the building, a pharmacy tech, no one in the building 
is a phlebotomist. No one on staff draws blood, knows how to do it, and then also dispose of a used needle can send off these tests, etc. So there is a lovely young woman named Serena Stewart. She is a phlebotomist, and she becomes like a phlebotomist trainer. She is training staff members at Walgreens how to draw blood, how to dispose of hazardous materials, and how to ship off these samples for testing. She is having to train sometimes part-time workers. I mean, when you think of your neighborhood pharmacy that also runs as like a convenience store, some folks are just cashiers. Like they're just, you know, I was a cashier. I didn't want to know how to take bodily fluids. I had a friend in high school who was a pharmacy tech. She didn't want to draw blood and, you know, deal with bodily fluids. She liked helping people and working with pharmacists and getting to know healthcare and also, you know, the inside workings of a of a store, of a, you know, almost like a little grocery store. You know what a pharmacy is, regardless. This pharmacy is not taking place in a hospital. It's, you know, it's not located in a hospital wherein it, you may be exposed to this kind of thing. So my point is, Serena Stewart and possibly others, I'm not sure, is having to teach folks at the Walgreens how to deal with exposure. If, you know, they cut themselves while they're trying to administer the, you know, they're trying to do the blood draw, whatever, how to deal with kids who are fidgety, afraid of needles, adults who are afraid of needles, etc., the disposal, and, and also fainting. Like, they don't know how to handle be uh, handle a large blood draw, which can affect folks, their immediate health. They might faint, they might pass out, whatever. So I'm saying a large blood draw, and I'll get back to that in just a second, but Elizabeth Holmes's point is that everyone has a Walgreens within five miles of their homes, which I come from a city, so that makes sense to me. But now that I live in a rural area and go to the same doctor and hospital as folks who live in an even more rural area, I know that's not true. I know folks who drive 30, 40 minutes just to get to a therapist, just to get to a hospital, just to get to a doctor. Most folks who live near my city are in a different state and we are the closest pharmacy. Like we have the closest pharmacy in my city. So not everyone is five miles, you know, let alone five minutes, but they are not everyone is close to a, a Walgreens. So again, we are we are seeing that stark contrast in terms of privilege even though her point is uh, you know i might be equi- i might be too generously um giving this to her but it seems like her point with the access is trying to break down that privilege in terms of who gets treated who gets results who can access um 
more financially accessible testing economic what is the word i'm trying to say it's supposed to be cheaper it's not thousands of dollars so anyone can access it folks with higher lower you know economic standing etc but in the same breath she's kind of contradicting herself in that not everyone is five minutes from a walgreens technically in my town the cvs is closer so you know Walgreens is on the far other side of town, so there's me being a smartass. But anyway, so somehow the engineer notes, we have jumped from only being able to test 90 things to over 200 tests while this thing is rolling out. So there's not actually been any kind of increase in technology, advancements that way. It's just now we're saying, oh, we can also test for 100 plus more diseases, infections, whatever. So they talk about, I have a note here that just says space and Edison's comma cheaper product. So, so I ended there because the next part, uh, or the next, this is where the part two, I would say act two starts. So Thank you for listening to this episode, and hopefully you'll listen to the next one. Okay, bye.